This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well and if you've enjoyed the recent episodes that have come your way. Uh, if you've missed any, you can catch up with them at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. Uh, I've had some wonderful feedback on the Rio Ferdinand episode, uh, the one where England threatened to go on strike. Thank you for that. Uh, makes it all worthwhile when you take the uh, take the time to send a, a nice message, uh, and especially when I hear that people say they've they've learned something from it. Uh, if you've got an idea for the pod, then by all means get in touch either on social media or email three lions podcast at gmail dot com. Love to hear from you. That's three lions podcast three. Spell it out, T-H-R-E-E. Now, another episode uh, was when I spoke with Matt Freeman about his England journey. Well, it's time for another. Uh, Incidentally, you may remember when I did speak with Matt, we joked about the only time it's acceptable to have a half-and-half scarf uh, is when your partner is from the opposing team. Uh, Well, Matt sent me a message after the Italy game to say he'd bought one for his better half. Great stuff. Uh, I hope she still enjoyed the game, despite the result. And uh, and the scarf is a uh, is a nice memento of it. Back to this episode, I spoke with Sunderland fan Deck Welsh a while back about his England journey. Uh, it's one where not only does he explain his England journey, but also his escapades in Malta earlier in the year, which he wanted to explain in his own words. And I think it may serve us all a lesson when it comes to having a beer in an unfamiliar place. Now, there's good times, sad times, fun times, uh, but they are your times, aren't they? Uh, Welcome to your England journey on the Three Lions podcast. Say hello to Sunderland and England fan, Deck Welsh. Hello, Deck. All right, mate. Nice to speak to you. Yes, likewise, mate. Likewise, you well? Uh, yeah, I am yourself. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, you're Sunderland fan up in Sunderland. Yeah, I am. Um, I live um, in a town called Notley near Wakefield. I've been here for about two years, but um, I've, been, I've lived up in Sunderland for the majority of my life, yeah. Okay, and, and I hear that you got a uh, you got a soft spot for Feyenoord too. Is that right? Uh, yeah, um, Sunderland and Feyenoord have had a big link for years now, and I like to get myself out to watch Feyenoord games every now and again. It's a bit, uh, they're the same colours, aren't they? Feyenoord and Sunderland. I guess that's one of the links, isn't it? Uh, yes, with the links all comes down to back in the day when the shipyards closed in Sunderland, and a lot of people went to Rotterdam for work. But then it didn't. The actual friendship probably. Just did, even though we were going to each other's games, the friendship really started back in their 1998 hmm. when a few Old fans came over for a, to see a Sunderland game and they ended up swapping numbers and shirts with some Sunderland fans. 
quality. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Nice one. You learn something new every day. Every day's a school day. Um, yeah. But there's there's plenty of Sunderland podcasts out there. I'm sure there's plenty of fine old ones as well. But um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk England. Um, and I know you've got a few stories to to tell us about you following England, but kind of the very earliest one begins on almost day one for you, doesn't it? Yeah, so um, I was born on 26th of June in 1998, and I was actually half-time of the game against Columbia in the France <laughs> World Cup. Superb. Yeah, and um, if, if my um, research is correct as well, like David Beckham scored his first ever goal of free for England, a free kick in the second half. So more or less one of the first things I wanted to see him would have been David Beckham scoring his first England goal. <laughs> Were you taken out of the uh, out of the hospital room to, to watch it? Or was there a TV wheeled in? <laughs> I'm, from what I hear from my parents, the TV was also in the room. As my mum always tells the story, which I assume it's the truth, but sometimes sounds a bit far-fetched. Apparently every time she looked down, all she could see was, the back of my dad's head and the back of the midwife's head because they were watching the match. <laughs> and then oh, at half time, my dad goes and he said, get him out now, I want to watch the second half. <laughs> Love that. Oh, I, I'm guessing now, I mean, it's, it puts an age on it straight away. I don't want to give away people's ages and all that, but when uh, I, w- I was in the pub, basically, when you were being born, <laughs> I was I was having a good old time um, in in the local pub watching that one. I didn't get out to France ninety eight, um, but I would have loved to. But you're right, yeah. It was David Beckham scored a uh, scored a free kick. I'm trying to picture it now, um, and it would have been was it, who was the goalkeeper? Was it Igita? I think um, in Colombia's goal, he was the one who done the scorpion kick um, a few years prior to that. I guess um, at the old Wembley. Um, and then, yeah, Carlos Valderrama, I think, probably played in that one um, as well. The uh, the Colombian, what was he, possibly a number 10, I think. Great player. Um, so, yeah, prob- probably you, you didn't remember it. But what going forward, what, how did you sort of discover England? I, I guess Sunderland came first. Um, but yeah, how so, did England come along? So, uh, with England, the first tournament that I kind of, slightly remember would be um the Portugal 2004 tournament okay um, yeah. I don't I don't really remember much of the football but I do remember I had a size three version of that ball at my grandparents house was that and, a goldish silver thing yeah I think there was yeah I remember having I remember playing football with my dad and my granddad in the back garden there with that when I was obviously being very young I've only been about six year old yeah Be pretending to be Rooney um, probably, yeah. <laughs> Who wasn't pretending to be Rooney back then? Well, that's true. That's true. I'm trying to think. Were there any Sunderland players in the uh, in the England team around that time? I, I can't think uh, off the top of my head. Can't think of any off the top of my head. But as I say, I was only six year old. I barely barely remember the ball playing with the ball. It's just a very slight memory in the back of my head with that one. Yeah, no, I know the feeling of like that. You kind of. You kind of know there's football going on, there's a tournament going on, but you're kind of more interested yeah. in just having a kick about yourself and and, uh, and sort of being part of it in that way until yeah. until the tournament that you actually really get into comes along. So that was that's 2004. So do, do you remember 2006? So I do slightly remember 2006. Um, that was the next one. Yeah, I, I do remember hearing us that we were playing Trinidad and Tobago and 
I remember thinking as a kid, what a what a weird country. There's two names for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that is the thing. When like World Cups come around and like you you're a kid, all of a sudden, like your sort of geography kicks in and sort of you're looking at places and looking at flags and all that sort of thing and and then you take an interest in that sort of thing but yeah Trinidad and Tobago they had some um they had some good players in that team if I remember rightly there was um Shaka Hislop was uh West Ham keeper there was the uh Manchester United player striker his name is Dwight York Dwight York played for them as well yeah, well, Dwight York also played for Sunderland at one point. Of course he did. Of course he did, yeah. yes. Under under Roy Keane, I, I believe that was for Sunderland. Okay. Yeah, I remember England winning that one 2-0. Um, yeah. And I, I'll tell you where I watched that one. I remember watching that one in a fan festival in Germany. Um, it might have been in... Was the game played in Frankfurt? I can't remember where it was. I might have watched it in, in a fan festival in Berlin. Um, but England made hard work of that game. Peter Crouch scored towards the end. Yeah. Helped himself in the air by pulling the um, Trinidad and Tobago's defender down by his dreadlocks, if I remember rightly. Now, now you mentioned that, I think I remember seeing that at some point, yes. Yeah. And uh, an- another tournament where we, well, famously the golden generation, wasn't it, failed to deliver. Yeah, so that's one of my main England memories as a child mm. would be crying every time we seem to be beat, which for some reason seems to be more often than it should have been. <laughs> You're not alone there. And, Plenty of us have cried yeah. at England. And I think that's where my emotional attachment to football probably came from because I've, um, I've been known to get quite emotional at games with Sunderland and with England over the years. Yeah, you're not afraid of shedding a tear or two. Oh, definitely, definitely, especially if I've had a bit too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, to two thousand and six, yeah, ended on ended on penalties with uh, Portugal. Uh, Portugal yeah, yeah, yeah. I cried, probably cried at that one as well. <laughs> yeah, is um, is that that the tournament where Ronaldo done the wink at Rooney? If I'm if I remember correctly, is that correct? Yes, I see. Because we yeah. went out to Portugal to tournaments in a row I get confused as well was it the first yeah, one was it the second one but I think you're I, right I, I get mixed up with the two and I'm, but I also remember when it, whichever one that was happening I remember my dad saying that when they went back to training Alex Ferguson should let Rooney have it out with him so to speak yeah. but although my dad said a bit more harsh words <laughs> which I remember someone prepping them and going well Alex Ferguson's Scottish so he's probably happy <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it must have been 2006. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that would have been when Ronaldo was was around United at that time. Yeah. So yeah, 2006 and 2008 was a was just a write off of a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we don't want to speak about that one. Yeah, let's talk uh, about that one. <laughs> so I mean, to get to. Um, England. What, what was your first England game? Because obviously in Sunderland, it's a uh, it is a, a fair old trek, and I've got a lot of respect for people that come from all over the country. But it's it's a mighty trek coming from up north there. And I know England have had a few games up at um, the Stadium of Light over the years. Yeah, I don't so, know. Um, there and Roker as well. They must have played at Roker at some time. But if, did you ever get there? England. Uh, no, so Roker Park would have closed on the year before I was born. Right. 
Um, but my first England game was at the stadium I liked. It was actually the 954th England game. And it was at, that was at the stadium like versus Australia back in 2016. Okay, yeah. That was your yeah, first England game, was it? Yeah, that was my first England game. It was, yeah. If I've got my research right again, I know um, it was Rooney's only England goal as a substitution. Okay, good fact, that one. Yeah. Um, and obviously, and Rashford had a pretty good game and scored a volume in that game and Eric Dyer own goal. Okay. Was this, did um, Rashford score really early? Was it that game or am I thinking of another one? I think one? it was quite early. If I'm, obviously, yeah, my memory's a bit hazy, but I, I'm pretty sure it was an early goal from himself there, yeah. Right. I'm trying to think, there was a famous game at um, Stadium of Light, 2000. In the very early years of the stadium, right? was it against Turkey or Tunisia or something? Maybe? Turkey, 2003, yeah. which was very spicy. Yeah, I've heard the stories from that game. I wasn't there, obviously. I, was, I don't even think I beat my first um, football game at that age, to be honest with you. Right. But um, I do, I have, I've seen clips on YouTube and I've heard stories of... Um, well, not even just the England fans fighting against the opposition. I've heard there was fans of each club and it was just a very messy occasion. Of what, like northeast clubs getting involved, was it? Well, I think from, from stories I've heard, as I say, this is not from me, but it's from stories I've heard passed down through the years. Yeah, I've heard there was just, it started with England fighting the other fans and then it just sort of, supposedly just everyone started getting into each other, which... That's obviously not what it's about going to England games. No, no. No, it's a game I I didn't get to. That was kind of, uh, I'd been going to England, but I didn't get to that one. There's a, a lot of stories I know about that one. So, yeah, 2016, Australia, first game. Uh, England won 2-1 in a, uh, a friendly, yeah, before before um, France 2016, I think that one was. Um, yeah, it will have been, yeah. Yeah, again. About the month before. yeah. Another tournament that we don't really want to talk about too much. Yeah. I'd say that actual tournament is when the first time I experienced a sort of like a fan zone type thing. Okay. Um, and that was in Sunderland, but it wasn't. It didn't take off very well at all, if I'm honest with you. I remember my 18th birthday was the day before the Iceland game. And it was on a Monday and they had a really good student night on a Monday in Sunderland. So me and all my mates... Went for some food and then met up. It was like, oh, we'll celebrate my 18th birthday after the game. And um, I think after the game, the only end of being all three of us who went out. <laughs> Everyone was just disappointed. Oh, yeah, disappointed is a word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So when when did you uh, think to yourself, right, I want to get involved in, in following England uh, a little bit well, more? So from a very early age, I wanted to do it. It was always sort of like a dream of mine. So when I finally got to... An actual England away game, which was only this year when we played Molla. Mm. That was sort that was sort of like my dream since I was a kid. I remember in the last year of school, everyone being sort of on the street having a bit of a drink when everyone's about 16 year old. And I remember because I went to a school that was sort of half and half of Sunderland and Newcastle fans. Okay. We sort of all came together. And I remember talking about how we were all going to go to France and all this, but it never materialised. Obviously, we were only kids still, really. But then once I started going to more Sunderland games, I met people who were talking about going. And not very often did some of my friends go, but they went to the Netherlands away in Amsterdam. And I was going to go, but then realised a few of us already had a ticket for a gig, so some of us didn't go. Mm. And it just always seemed every time we were going to go, something cropped up. 
And then eventually this year, I, I it was last year when I went to see England versus Hungary at um, at the Molyneux, which is yet again another one we don't want to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, once we went there, I remember talking to my friend Mark and Owen. And Mark, and, uh, he was the 109 lads. And he, yeah. um, so he introduced us to some people. And me and Owen said straight away, we're getting there. Once the World Cup's done, we're getting, we're getting what, um, a membership for the travel club. And that's what we've done. But every ticket I've applied for so far, I've not managed to get one. So I was in the home end of Butler. Oh, in Malta? Yeah. See, I, so, I, didn't, uh, I didn't go to Malta. So tell us about it. Well, um, it's a bit of a mental story for myself. So we uh, we booked flights and our flights flew us from, I think it was I think it was Heathrow to Frankfurt. And then we had six hours in Frankfurt and then flew to Malta from there. All right. So... We we decided we'd go into Frankfurt, went and took some pictures by the stadium and had a few drinks in this in the um, south of the city. And then went back to the airport and I remember seeing a spare stall in the airport that um, was selling Frankfurters. So straight away we went, we've got to have a Frankfurter in Frankfurt. But Absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't anything special, I'm honest. I think we would have been best good to put a restaurant for one, but... Yeah, so we had the six hours there, and on the way back, it was the same, but we landed a different... I think we landed Gatwick coming back, but we had six and a half hours in Frankfurt again. But, uh, yeah, so we landed in Malta. I'd say at around 11pm, and there was a few of us had flights getting the same time, so we met up and got a taxi to um, the apartment we were staying in. And from there, we got a shower, got changed, and by, I'd say by midnight, we were out on the strip in St. Julian's. Yeah, and, that was the busy place, wasn't it? Yeah, so straight away we bumped into people who we knew. Like, uh, there's a few Walsall fans I know off Sunderland's time in League One. So I was talking to them and then seeing some other fans that I sort of knew from social media but hadn't met. So we get to talk and then obviously we end up going into a couple of pubs, having a few drinks. There was a, um, quite a well-known bar, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's quite a well-known bar that sells shots ridiculously cheap. <laughs> so... It got a little bit messy and at about four, four, half four, we went back to our apartment. And from from there, we had one lad with us who wasn't staying in our apartment, but we knew him. And he was really drunk and he says, I want to get more drink. So I said, look, I'm tired. I'm not going for more drink. I'm drunk enough. Anyway, after a bit of an argument, some of the lads said, look, Dex, just go with him because you know him better than us. And he's too drunk to be going out on his own. Yeah. Well... That was the start of a massive disaster because when we got the first garage, it didn't serve alcohol. Well, apparently, I don't really remember this as much now, but it didn't serve alcohol. So he went to go to another garage and apparently I just said, I'm going to stand here and keep watch, which that's not exactly how I remember it, but that's how he remembers it. I remember it as I thought he wanted to go back to his hotel. So me being drunk went, strop you, went, but if you're going back to your hotel, I'll have to get out and go back to mine. But then once he drove off, I realised I didn't have my phone or my wallet and I couldn't remember the name of the apartment we were staying in. Oh, no. So that's where it starts to get a, um, a bit hectic for me. So I've, I walked around for a while and I kept seeing this garage. I'm thinking, I'm sure this is the one I've been past. And then obviously it's starting to get light anyway because it's obviously middle of summer. And I ended up down by, like walking through these streets, I ended up down by like a sort of marina. And I was walking up and down it, and I, bear in mind, I've still not been asleep, so I'm starting to get really tired now. And 
can't remember where I'm staying or anything. And I saw I see England flags outside of hotels. So after a couple of hours of walking about, loss, and the street started to get busy, I was, I'd see an England flag. So I think I'll go in that hotel and ask if someone can lend us the phone to try and contact one of my friends oh, yeah. or something on Facebook. So I go to this hotel and there's no, none of the English, none of the English seem to be there yet. Must be still in bed or something. And I went, so I went up by their pool to see if there's anyone up there and, it was just a group of people who were foreign. So I've just left it and walked down again, walking about for hours. And eventually I did ask someone on like a tourist information desk type thing where you could book boat trips. I thought I'd lend the phone. And they just said no, which I can understand because by that time I was sort of a bit scuffy, a bit worn down. And they probably thought I was just going to try and steal it, but they didn't lend me it. And after that, I was I got a bit anxious about not wanting to ask anyone else. I thought I'll just try my own way back. And I walked yeah. through the streets. I've had to went to a cafe and asked to have a glass of water because I didn't have money to buy a bottle of water, which you're not meant to have water in European countries. So I sort of feel a bit unwell as well. <laughs> um, and at one point I did just give up and thought, I'm going for a swim. So I went in the sea for a bit of a swim. And then, um, but all this time, unbeknown to me, my friends have been to the supporters, the, the, the FA supporters bit. Like they've been on the phone to the police back in England to the police in Malta and the Malti, like the English police in Malta and the Maltese police. And they were oh. ready to send a helicopter out looking for me. No. And obviously, I don't know how long I've been missing at this point. And I've ended up trying again to find people and couldn't find anywhere. I've walked back through the streets. And I actually think at one point, I remember the marina being behind me and walked straight forward and actually got to the sea. So at some point, I've walked from one side of the island to the other. And this, it's just, it's a, it is a quite a crazy story. Because I think myself, there's no way I could have walked that far, but the pain I wasn't off walking so much the next day, I must have. But I also got tired at one point and ended up having a nap on a park bench. And I, I still can't believe that not one person stopped to ask if I was okay. Because <laughs> it was just, I don't know, I just, it was, it must have looked absolutely mad just some random lads sleeping on a park yeah. bench around three o'clock in the afternoon and then eventually i did walk into a hotel and some woman on the desk lent me her phone so i logged out of facebook on it and went to log into my own and that was another big mistake because it then texts my number to say to your phone yeah. you. <laughs> i couldn't accept that i then remembered i knew my number so i rang my number from that phone and it was going straight to answer machine so i left my phone on charge on airplane mode and when my mates had looked at it, they didn't think to turn it off aeroplane mode in case <laughs> I rang it. So it was just one disaster after another. And eventually, the woman who had lent me this phone, she gave me directions to get to St. Julian's by bus and gave me two euros to get on the bus. Oh, bless that. And I knew a friend of mine was staying at the Hilton because, remember, I couldn't remember my apartment name because it was just a foreign street name. Yeah. And then we get, so I finally get to... St. Julian's on the bus, and I see in the strip, and it was full of England fans. But my first thing was go to the Hilton. I know people there. Pointless walking away. I don't know anyone. But then I couldn't find the Hilton either. My sense of direction was just completely gone by this point. And luckily, I actually walked past a, um, a Sunderland fan called Ethan, who we don't know each other very well, but we know who each other is, sort yeah. of thing. And as I walked past, without even realising, all I hear behind me is, was that Deck Welsh? Was that the, like, these three lads? They didn't see me. So I turned around and they ran up to me. And they're screaming, Deck, have you been found? Have you been found? I won't. No, someone get me back to the apartment and some oh. and some after some because I was just so burnt. Oh, bet. Yeah, and 
obviously they they video called my friend Owen and I've never seen the relief on someone's face so much in my life. But it was not until I actually got back to the apartment and we got into the apartment when I realised how catastrophic things nearly were. Um, yeah. I've just had an incident where I'd been to watch Fire Nord two weeks earlier and I'd ended up in Amsterdam Hospital. So with that added on to this, my uh, my dad, when he found out that I'd be gone missing, apparently he'd run one of my mates really upset thinking that I was dead. And that's <laughs> when I realised, God, this isn't the last I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, I got back, and the first thing I put on my Facebook was anybody in Monk uh, got any after sun? Because then that was like everyone, oh, Depp has been found, he's having a joke, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Just to deflect away from how bad of a day I'd had. And it turned yeah. out that, um, it turned out obviously things have been really bad, and I feel my friends fell out with me putting that post on, so I realized I had to apologize to people. But yeah, that was, and then the funniest part of it though is around an hour after I got back, we got a, um, we got a taxi down to the England 109 boat party, oh, yeah. which left from the exact marina I'd been missing for for 13 hours. <laughs> I spent 13 hours at this at this marina, and I was back there again. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I mean, you had some good friends who were looking out for you, I think. And yeah, yeah well, probably the, they, the they had said they weren't, they weren't even going to go to the boat party if they didn't find me. So imagine if I'd stayed at the marina, end up on the boat party, and they hadn't came. I think they would have probably fell out with me big time then. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all's well that ends well. Um, so yeah, boat party and and then the uh, the games. I mean, obviously the the main reason for going to Malta was for the game. England, well, yeah, well, I, it definitely wasn't for going missing. <laughs> no, no. Um, so yeah, England winning four 0 and sort of dream fulfilled, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, as I said, my ticket was in the home end, and I had been offered by someone to give them some money to add plus my ticket for a ticket in the away end and. In the end, I didn't because I found out the reason he was doing that is because they didn't serve alcohol in the away end. So I thought right. he must be doing that because he's expecting a better atmosphere in the home end. So I thought I'll stick in the home end. And I'll be honest, by about half time, the away end looked half empty and boring. And in the home end, we had a right laugh. So I actually think I chose the better option staying in the home end. Oh, right, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it was obviously a good, good laugh in the home end. And well, we completely dominated the game, didn't we? I don't think they had a shot at all. No. No, no, oh, I we, think we one way traffic. Had, um, yeah, and obviously Harry Kane scored a penalty, and I think they scored no goal at one point as well. I think, and we had, I think we scored two penalties. Callum Wilson scored one, and I think was it Trent Alexander Arnold scored the other goal. I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I think he scored a yeah. scored a screamer. I think was it that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure he scored. Yeah, because then. I know, I know Callum Wilson definitely scored, and that sparked up a debate with a Newcastle fan about how he's better than Harry Kane, which he, he, he's not, let's be honest. <laughs> that's, without my, that's without my biasness. Harry Kane is definitely our best striker, in my opinion. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, did, could you cheer a Callum Wilson goal? Well, it was for England, so yeah, but I think that was the fourth goal, so it was, I'd have been forgiven for not um, being too overjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could sort of just like clap them rather than celebrate it properly. Yeah, I know that feeling. Know that feeling. So, yeah. in all the time of of following England, have you been to Wembley yet to see it? In um, so, I've never seen England at Wembley yet. However, I do have tickets for the Australia friendly this later this year. Yes, yeah, yeah. I guess in, you've seen Sunderland there, haven't you? Sunderland must. Have yes, been I've seen Sunderland there. Oh, uh, I've seen us get beat off Man City in the League Cup, and I've seen us get beat off Portsmouth on penalties. 
of Charlton with the last kick of the game. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to bring then, these uh, bad memories up. <laughs> yeah, and I think the next one would have been the Potter John's Trophy final, which was due through COVID, so it was behind closed doors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, we had a we had a few of us watching that in my mum's back garden. Nice. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so that was all right. But yeah, we uh, and then obviously I've seen us win the playoff final more recently as well there. Oh, all right. Was, which yeah. was a bit a bit emotional after seeing us fail so many times. Yeah. Well, yeah, Oz, the Aussies in, I guess that's October, I think, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. I'm, um, I'm taking my dad with us to that one because, you see, my dad's actually a Newcastle fan, so growing up, I never really got to go to many games with him. Yeah. Where he would he would take his son every now and again. He wasn't too happy about it. But um, I sort of took after my grandparents, who was my, grand, my grandmother and on her side, the family were all... All Sunderland fans. Gotcha. I was going to say that's that's a that's a conversation in itself. A uh, son and father supporting different teams. Yeah, (laughs) it gets a bit bit feisty on Derby, especially when I used to live at home. I bet it did. I bet it did. Yeah, and and he's Welsh to add to add to it, but he supports England. (laughs) Good lad. Good lad. Yeah, I've got down some research. I found out so that England game I was born at half time in. I know Prince Charles and Prince Harry were in attendance, right? Which is a which is a bit of a complete random fact, but it's it's something that must have. It's what it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine them two going together to a game now, can you? No, not really. I think that would be even harder than maybe dad going to a game together. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a um, bit of a mental situation, but. It's it's like the royal version of the Gallagher's, really. If anything, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And obviously, we I um, I do plan to go to the Euros next year in Germany. Right. Which there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about with me and my mates. I know one of my mates' dads wants to go. And he said drive over. So then I came up with the idea: let's rent the camper van and drive in the camper van. Yeah. Um, which could be a good experience, but as I say. It's the same as when me and my mates, when we were younger, tried to talk about going to France for the um, Euros. It all just depends at the time when we book it, who like, who books what first, really, because that's what we tend to do us a lot. Whoever books first, everyone else just sort of follows. Yeah, no, it's it's making those concrete plans and making sure that everyone's committed. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people thinking about camper vans and Germany, because um, yeah. obviously it's going to be so busy. Um, if anything, like 2006 is is to be compared to. Um, yeah, but... I've, I've heard a lot of stories of 2006 as well, right? Just about, I mean, up, upwards of 100,000 apparently on, on one of the games or something. Someone was telling me. That's right. Whether, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was in Frankfurt. My friend was telling me about that. One of my friends who's a bit older, he hmm. was telling me that he would have said there was about 100,000 in Frankfurt one day or something. Yeah, and, it's um, not far off, not far off. Yeah. Um, Seems mental when you think of them numbers. I know it's obviously it's a big football and country, but hundred thousand just it's well, it's more than Wembley. Oh, exactly. More, yeah, yeah. Imagine Wembley, that's, just that's everyone like there. Wembley, isn't it? When Wembley was all standing, you'd get a hundred thousand. And I think is that right? I've, yeah, yeah. Like back in the day, back in a long day yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, well, you never know. You never know. Germany is is a, a year away, just under a year away. Um, so plenty of time to. To think about it, sort it out, and get a few more caps under your belt. Yeah, that nice one, Ed Deck. Thank you very much for uh, 
for sharing your England journey. Plenty of uh, plenty of good times there, plenty of fun times, plenty of uh, crazy times, I think it's safe to say. Um, be good to meet yeah. up at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, there's a few England games I have my pencil in coming up. We'll be um, out in Poland for the European game as well. Yes. So, although I didn't feel to get tickets, but I'll get, get one in the second sale. If not, it's um, at home and loyal again. Give it a go, mate. Give it a go. Fastest yeah. finger first. There's always yep, a, a chance to get in there. Right. Bye cheers, mate. Cheers. Many thanks to Deck there. Obviously, we spoke prior to the recent games against Australia and Italy. Uh, it's just having the time to squeeze this episode in. Hey, you don't pay anything for this, so uh, take your complaints somewhere else. Uh, but we did actually meet up and say hi in Rotslav for the Ukraine match a little while back. So cheers, mate, and hope to see you on a future away day too. Uh, although hopefully you're not being too bad a situation as you were in Malta. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've got a couple more of these in the series still to release. If you would like to share your England journey, drop me a line, either on social media or by email, 3lionspodcast at gmail.com. Spell it out, T-H-R-E-E, Lions Podcast. And with December and January, February, being a little quiet on the international front hopefully i'll be able to squeeze a couple of those in then i'll be back with you very soon with a preview to our final games of 2023 malta at home and north macedonia actually a quick plug for a previous episode and it slightly relates to north macedonia where many myself included we'll be getting a supporters organised coach. There was an episode that I recorded a while back that proved to be very popular. If you've not heard it yet, I spoke with Mark Griffiths from On The Ball Travel. It's episode 246. It'll give you an insight as to what organising a coach entails. So until next time, Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.